The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
is victory in Jesus.
in the book of Numbers, we see um, God saying, there's going to be Levites that are going to help in the tabernacle. But Aaron, only your family line is going to be the one that's going to be allowed to go into the Holy of Holies to administer the sacrifice. That's what that says. And Aaron is the one that gives the priestly blessing over the people. The Lord calls him to do that, says, do this. The Lord bless you and keep you. And then later on in the New Testament, it says, and therefore we come boldly before the throne with confidence because of Jesus Christ. It's all because of Jesus that we're able to go through. The veil has been torn, and now we're called into the Holy of Holies. We're called into the tabernacle. And so as believers of Jesus Christ, we are priests. And so we administer the priestly blessing, all of us, not just the people up here, not just the pastor, all of us. So as we sing, I pray that you administer that priestly blessing to the people that are near you. If they're close to you, right, people like their space. So if you don't know them, don't put a hand on them necessarily. But if you want to, put your hand on somebody and say, I'm praying this over you today. I'm praying that the Lord bless you and keep you. Because there is power when we proclaim his promises over one another. When we love each other and we remember who he is. Shine for
Lord has not forgotten you. Good morning, church. I uh, want to start first with a little bit of a comical story. At least to me, it's comical. Nobody else may find it that way. Uh, I've always pondered the thought of why we're referred to as sheep. Always wondered about that. Not a lot, but just curious, you know, why, why are we referred to as sheep? Well, a few months ago, I was conned into purchasing some sheep. That's not the funny part. We, <laughs> we're getting into that time of the breeding season, and so we're trying to get these ewes ready to go. And we're trying to get them done, and I, I've got some help out there. And lo and behold, there's only five of them. But lo and behold, one of them's going to do her own thing every time. Strangely, it's never the same one. It's always a different one. So the other day I had to finish up a process with them and I'm by myself. We've done this process now three or four times. 
Now, I've raised goats for a lot of years, and by the third time, they just do it. You just open the gates, and they go wherever they're supposed to go. The sheep, not so good. Uh, I'm a pretty big fella. With that, you lamb decided she was going to take me out. And she come back at me as fast as she could come, and she hits me right in the chest. At that point, I'm angry, and I grab a hold, and I say, if I'm going down, you're going with me. <laughs> but that gave me the thought. My question has now been answered why we're sheep. Because I can speak for myself here. I'm just like them. He, has, he directs me one way, and what I do, I'm going to go over here. And then he pulls me back in with the group, and I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do my own thing. And every time I do my own thing, what happens? I fail miserably. I don't keep him at the forefront of what I'm trying to do. So now I have an understanding as to why he refers to us as sheep. I want to share a passage with you, and most of you will know this passage, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm thankful he didn't forget about this sheep. And this table is just a reminder that he didn't forget about us. So as you take the elements this morning, remember he sacrificed himself for his sheep. Let us pray. Most gracious heaven, Father God, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and worship you. And, and Father, we just hope that this uh, time of worship that is honors you, Father. Father, as we go into our week, schools, new, new school seasons, fair season coming up, Father, I just give, ask that you give each individual the strength to get through the direction. And Father, I love you and I thank you for what you did with sending your son that I might have eternal life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Almighty God. We are praying for our educators. They have been created in your image. You have chosen them for this time, for these students, and in this season. Give them confidence in their craft. They have studied and they care about students. Help them to know they are needed, appreciated, and loved. That their work is not in vain, and they can make it through this with your grace. When it's hard to see the good in the day, may you give them a breath laced with moments of laughter and lightheartedness. When they are sad and overwhelmed, may you whisper your strength into their spirit. When they feel unseen, may you remind them that no moment goes unnoticed. From the bus driver to the secretary, from the janitor to the coach, 
From the administrator to the speech pathologist to the reading instructor, from the classroom teacher to the online teacher, may all who are in education see you and shine you to their school. Bless them, Lord, and may they see even just a glimpse of how their faithfulness will forever impact generations to come. We pray to you through the name of our ultimate teacher, Jesus. Amen. That sign is very special to us because we believe in our educators here and we want to celebrate our teachers and our students. God is using you in a powerful way to make a difference for the future and for the now. I I mean it when, when I look out and see a lot of school personnel here, it really warms my heart and we want to stand with you. But we all, I think we all realize there is a tension in teaching. A tension, a, a conflict, how to teach. You, you got some that want classes that are very, very structured versus some that want classes that are very free thinking. You got uh, the way I learned it in college versus the new theories that are coming down the, the pike. You got the, uh, I love these kids versus the, I want to strangle these kids uh, all at the same time. But But there is a tension in the students as well. Our students have the same kind of tension. I want good grades, but I really don't want to be here. (laughs) I, I got to get good grades and I got to keep my attendance up so I can play. But what I really want to do is play and I don't really want to be here. So it's, it's just hard, but there's tension in life too. Being an adult, we all want to be a grown-up. We want to make our own decisions. We want to make our own choices, do what we want when we want. But we all want to be under our parents' insurance. Can I get an oh, yeah, from anybody? All right, yeah. I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to be proud of myself. But I also like tacos and cheesecake. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's just there's this, there's this constant tension and there's this constant battle. The scriptures invite us into this tension as well. And I want you to join me in two different passages here. And I'd like you, if you have a marker, if you're doing it on your pad or your phone or whatever, it's pretty easy. But we're going to start in Isaiah, and then we're going to go to Ephesians, and we're going to compare these as the tension that is building in these two verses. Because we see it in scripture all over the place. The Ten Commandments tell us, honor your father and mother. Jesus comes along and says, unless you hate your mother and father, you can't follow me. Now, we talked about that one when we were talking about the tough teachings of Jesus. But there's all kinds of tensions throughout scripture. Jesus gave us the free gift of life. But then Jesus comes along and says, you better count the cost. Well, how do I count the cost of something that's free? You hear what I'm saying? And then, and then you got this, Jesus died on the cross to save you. And he comes along and says, well, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. So there's a tension here. And these texts, these two texts that we're going to look at, they, 
They talk about our actions as a Christ follower and and how do we live in this tension? Now, I got to warn you, this is not the sermon I started the week with. This one got rewritten on Thursday. So we're going to take a long journey to get to a short point. So stick with me. You're going to be a couple of times going, all right, where are you going with this? Just stick with me, okay? Let's start in Isaiah chapter 64. If you're joining us online or on the radio, welcome to Central Christian Church. Uh, it is Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 5 says, you, are, you welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you've been angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Now put a marker right there and go with me over to Ephesians. Listen to what it said there in, in Isaiah about how we are ungodly and, and infected and impure with sin. And then over in Ephesians in chapter 2, you're going to hear another verse. And Paul is talking in verse 8 and he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We're going to compare those two. But I want to start it with this statement. A genuine faith expresses God's good work. A real, genuine faith. Now, a lot of us battle the real versus fake things in, in real life. True? What's real? What's it fake? We were in the Dominican a couple of years ago with our praise team and our, our, with our mission team. And a bunch of y'all were here. And Franklin Marie were there. And Caden was there. And it was our last day. And we were going down in town. And we were going to look around. And we found a shop that had shoes. And had some cool shoes. And Franklin and Caden went in there. And they had Air Jordans in there. Okay? Now... If you're a connoisseur of shoes, you know that Jordans are, eh, it could be pretty expensive, depending on the model. I mean, it could be 200, somewhere up, you know, some up around 800 bucks a piece. And these were $8. Seems legit. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they were real. I mean, they looked real from the street. They looked like the same color. They looked like the same swoosh. Now, Jordan was spelled with a G, but, you know, I mean, it just just roll with it. Gordon Air Fierce Ones. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just, from a distance, they looked real. But upon closer inspection, you can see they're just a fake copy. Most of us have bought those things on the street, you know, a Prado purse or a Rolex watch. You know, and we, we've seen those things. They look real, but upon closer inspection, they're just a copy. I wonder if some of our Christian lives can look that way. From a distance, they look genuine. They look like they're going through the motions, but up close. You see, these two texts, this Isaiah passage and this Ephesians passage, they are, there is a tension here between faith and works, a, a conflict be, between what we say and how it, how it plays out. And I think we have a proclivity in our lives to live 
good enough lives. Here, did you see the air quotes? They're good enough lives. And sadly, we deceive ourselves. This Isaiah passage says we're sick with sin. We're infected with sin. And our righteous deeds, our good deeds are like filthy rags. Is God mad at us for doing good things? I cannot believe you helped that little old lady across the street. That's just ridiculous. You know, you, you tipped well. That's just, that's ridiculous. No, God's not mad at good deeds. What is going on in the book of Isaiah is these are God's people, the Israelites that have, have been in, uh, they've been in exile in Babylon for 40 years. They were put there because they were knuckleheads. They sort of served God. They knew God, but if you were with us a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Baalus and Asherahs and Elijah and the prophets of Baal, they, they liked God, but they flirted with these other gods, right? And it became a casual relationship with God. It was good enough. I, you know, I like God, we're his people, but I'm going to play over here and I'm going to mess around over here. You see, God called them out on them and put them in exile for 40 years Basically, to tell them good enough is not good enough. Just casual is not going to cut it. Our future cannot be built on casual actions and good enough faith. But here's where I, I struggle with this. I think as Americans in our American faith, we have a tendency to lean into this. You see, a lot of a guy, a lot of us guys were raised with that. We don't cry. We don't, you know, we tough, just duct tape it back on. It'll be all right. We're, we don't cry. We're not, we've, we were raised with, with a distance between our parents because guys don't cry. We're not emotional. And so we, to get the attention of dad, to get the attention and the validation, I feel like I need well, I need to do really good at sports or I need to be really good in business or I need to get the really hot girl. I need to do things that show my dad so I can get his attention. You see? And we lean into that. Women are, women are not exempt from this. I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just saying women, typically there's a lot of women that struggle with insecurity about, our, about their looks, about their attachments. We get a phrase, daddy issues. Anybody heard that phrase? And it's because we haven't had a close enough attention, uh, attachment, attachment to our, our fathers. And so we look for validation somewhere else. Maybe it's in our good looks, or maybe it's in how, our, how clean our house is, or how perfect our life is. And all of this starts to bleed into our Christianity. If we work hard enough, God will notice us. You see what I'm saying? If I work hard and I do all the good things, then I will get this validation. If I do enough, then I'm good enough. Problem. What happens when something happens? I, I did good things. I sacrificed. I worked hard. I, I went to church. I did good. But we had a miscarriage. I went through a divorce. I lost that job. Sadly, I think there's an entitlement to our American faith. We think somewhere in there, well, well, then God wants me rich and happy and my political party in power and everything going my way. And so if I work hard, I'll get that. 
If I'm a Christian and I do good things, it equates to I get the good life. I get the safe and the comfortable and everything works out. And it's in that moment I wonder, are we any different than those Israelites that are casual about our relationship with God instead of intentional? And here's where the tension in these two verses gets real. Jump with me over to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, his grace saved us. And it's a gift. It's not what we earned. It's not what we did. His grace saves us. My sin was deep. Your grace was deeper. My my guilt was great. Your love was greater. You see, it is this gift. It's the mercy of God that should awaken in us a desire to be obedient. And not because we have to, because it's our job. It's because we want to walk in our obedience. You see, if it's our own goodness that gets us into heaven, if it's our own goodness that shows how, how much God loves us, then shouldn't we be able to measure that in everybody's life? If you got everything going for you, then you must love God a lot. But if you got problems, well, you must have blown it. You hear me? See, because that's how the culture of, of Jesus' time was. If you had bad things going on in your life, you must have messed up. You must have sinned. If, if that was the truth, it was, if it was how hard we worked, then the ones that had the perfect hair, you know, that never had a bad hair day, the ones that, that their kids obey in public, oh, man, you know, oh, wow, that would be great. Those are living the comfortable. That means God really loves them. But you and I all know that's not true. We have all seen people that have worked hard, that have served God, that love God, that have problems. Amen? Because I got a hunch. There's a bunch of them in this room right now. Worked hard, done everything right, and still have problems. Friends, salvation is not a reward for our good behavior. It is a gift given to us. So the tension is real. I, I want to work hard, but my hard work doesn't move the needle. You know what I mean? It, it's not like, hey, God, look how good I'm doing. I'm going to do a bunch of good things, and you're going to see me and bless me. The righteous deeds that we do don't move the needle, and I'll prove it. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 10 of, of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We are his masterpiece. Some of you have a version that says workmanship. I like that word. It's the NIV in some of them. To me, a workmanship is somebody that, you know, really put a lot of effort into it. Masterpiece, I think of, you know, great painters that, oh, that's the best one. Oh, that is, that's the top of the line. Question. And this is a real serious question. I want you to look at this with me. Who is we? Listen to me now. Who is the we in this statement? Who is the we are his masterpiece? Is the we those that went to seminary? Is the we those that live good moral lives? Is, is the we the ones that act correctly and have no problems? You see, that's, that's kind of depressing. Don, or why are we even here then? I'll tell you why. The we is those of us that have confessed Christ as Lord and have received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 4, from the King James, he says, He imputeth unto us his righteousness. I love that phrasing. It's God takes the righteousness of heaven and he 
jams in in us. His righteousness, not our goodness, not all of our efforts. It's his righteousness that's put into us. So here's the problem. I would bet the vast majority of us, I started saying uh, some of us, but I'm wondering now if the vast majority of us, I'd be willing to bet, don't feel like a masterpiece. I bet a lot of us look at our stuff and we look in the mirror or in the spiritual mirror and we say, but man, Don, I'm messed up. I've blown it. You don't understand. And I got bills and we got custody issues and I got adult onset acne and I can't get rid of it. And I, I can't figure out what's going on. I can never seem to catch up. Don, you don't understand. I'm filled with anxiety and, and I'm scared of failure and I'm dealing with addiction. I'm not a masterpiece. I'm not greatness. I read a story the other day about a little boy named Benjamin. It was getting close to Christmas. And for Christmas, he wanted a little brother. So instead of writing a letter to Santa Claus, he wrote a letter to God. He starts out, dear God, I've been a very good boy. And he stops. Well, that's not really true. So he wads that one up and throws it away. Second one, he goes, dear God, I've been a pretty good boy. That's not real convincing. So he wads that up and he thinks for a little while. And then he comes up with a different tack. He goes in the living room where mom has the, the nativity scene all set up. And he goes and gets the Mary figurine, wraps it in a paper, paper towel and hides it under his bed. And then starts, dear God, if you ever want to see your mom again. <laughs> and we laugh and we go, oh, that's ridiculous and everything. I, I wonder if we kind of act like that to God. We kind of work this, well, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. You know what I mean? If it's almost blackmail or bribery, you know, I'll come through. If you'll come through for me, I'll come through for you. Friends, we're missing the, the masterpiece part of God's goodness. I think we're missing how great this, this goodness is. It's not based on how much I get his attention. We are his masterpiece and our impact is not based on how great we are, how talented we are, how valuable we are, how much skill we have. Neither is it limited by our weaknesses, our failures, our past, anybody? It's not limited by our limitations. And this should be fantastic news for any teacher or any student. It's not based on us. It's not based on our greatness. The verse doesn't say God prepared good works for those that are perfect. It says you are his masterpiece designed to do good things that he planned. Some of you have a version that says that he appointed for you in advance. I like that. I was working at a church one time. They had an older man that would come up and do the prayer for the communion and everyone's, you know, he was pretty regular. He was older guy and he had this Texas drawl, you know, he's kind of, kind of old farmer and cowboy kind of guy. And he'd wander up here and he'd pray for a minute. And he always had this phrase in his prayers and he'd say, and God, you just, uh, lead us to them divine appointments. You got set up for us. And it was just kind of folksy. And I was just like, that's a weird phrase. And I got to listening to it. Lead us to those divine appointments. 
So how do I live in that space? Participating in good works, but not expecting the reward. I think it goes back to the verse that Lily read a few minutes ago in Romans chapter 5. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Say amen. Amen. While we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, while we were still dreaming of being a sinner, he died for us. But I love in that version, it says Jesus demonstrated his love. He didn't talk about it. He demonstrated his love out of obedience. He went to the cross because he trusted the father. He didn't go to the cross because it was his job. He didn't go to the cross because he, he wanted to, because scripture will clearly tell us that night before he's like, Hey, if you got any other plan, I'm, I'm open. All right. I'm open to some suggestions here, but your will be done. He did it on purpose. He didn't opt out. We've all sang the song. He could have called 10,000 angels, right? He didn't choose a different way. He did it out of obedience. Friends, if we're going to live in this tension of how do we work, but the work doesn't really matter, but how, you know, it's going to be that our obedience has to supersede our feelings, our feelings of inadequacy. Well, God, I don't feel like a masterpiece. Our, our feelings of greatness, our feelings of we got it all figured out, our feelings of we don't have it all figured out. We need to surrender our feelings to him. Great stuff, Don. How is this education celebration stuff? This is where we're coming in for a landing, all right? And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit hard. We're coming in hot. Listen to this. This school year is a divine appointment. Teachers, the class you have, God designed for you. You didn't get those kids by coincidence. You didn't get those kids because, well, the principal said I could divinely appointed students. This year is a divine appointment. God has put you in the class with that teacher because maybe that teacher is maxed out and they need to see you putting out a little effort. And when you do, it gives them hope. My question is, will you be there because it's your job or will you be there because it's a divine appointment? When we get that in our mindset, then we don't have to worry about how perfect I am or how messed up I am. I am his masterpiece. He put me here for a purpose. This is going to be a good year. You're here. You are there to make an impact for him. Students and teachers say amen to that. You are there for his divine appointment. Now, where this came from is this next picture. In 2021, an artist named Suzanne Furstenberg was commissioned to do an art installation in the National Mall in Washington, D.C., dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. So she came up with this idea, and they planted 695,000 little white flags with names on them all over the National Mall. Took them several weeks to do it. Had all of the names representing everyone that had died dealing with the pandemic. 
And then she wanted to remember this, so she hired this guy named Stephen Wilkes to photograph it. And this whole this story is in National Geographic. You see, I completely stole it from their website right there. And but I want you to look really closely at this photo because this photo is not a photo. This photo is actually 4,882 photos digitally meshed together. Now look real close. You see a sunrise on that side, but you see shadows coming off the Washington Monument this way. You see shadows coming off the tree that way, huh? And then it's dark over there. How in the world do you do that? Because this Wilkes guy put a 40-foot lift up there, put cameras and mounted them, and took pictures for three straight days. And then he merged these things and melded them. He wanted to get the vastness of it in the Washington Monument, but he wanted to get the people there. So it was up high, but it was close, but it was all these things. And he wanted to get all of this to capture all of it. And and listen close, because here's the, the big point. This is a composite of a bunch of other photos. And listen to me now. This is the, this is the big one. Everyone you meet is a composite, not a snapshot. Every person you meet is a composite of a lot of things that have happened, of emotions and trauma, of uh, defense mechanisms and situations. And if we're not careful, we'll judge a book by its cover. You know what I'm saying? We'll judge somebody on a snapshot. Well, they had a bad day. Maybe they had a bad five minutes. Friends, yes, our actions matter. Teachers, your love for these students matters, and you know that. But I want you to hear this deep in your bones on those days when it's not working and they're not paying attention and they're not listening. You're here for this divine appointment. Students, Students, I get it. It is a drag sometimes. It's just the same old, the same old, I don't want to be here. But your attitude matters. It might matter to the student that's sitting next to you. It might matter to that teacher. Your effort matters. They may be ready to give up and chunk the whole thing, but you put out a little extra effort on that project, and it gave them enough energy to keep going. Dallas Willard made a quote a while back. It was really impactful to me. He says, the good news of Jesus is less about how to get into heaven later on and more about how to get the kingdom of heaven into our life here. We have an opportunity to bring that divine appointment to these kids, to these teachers where it is not just a snapshot, it is a composite of all that God is doing inside of us. Yes, there is tension. And we want to speak into that tension. The works versus faith, the faith versus works. And we want to speak his blessing on to you. Well, Franklin said earlier, so powerful. You are priests And you can speak his blessing. A lot of us, when we sing that song, why does it say he is for you? He is for you. He is for you. Like 73 times. Why does it say that all there? I'm in there. So it'll dig down into our thick skulls that God is on our side. He's not out to get you. He's out to gather us, us dumb, crazy sheep (laughs) 
They'll wander off in holes. Uh, Students that sometimes don't want to be here. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you because he is with you. A divine appointment. That's what this year is. So I want you to help me out right now. I know there are a lot of teachers around here, and maybe you're sitting near some of them. Maybe it's an instructor. Maybe it's a college teacher. I want you to pray over them. As we said earlier, you know, maybe not in, invade their space and lean down on them or anything like that. But if you feel comfortable extending arms over these teachers or wrapping an arm around them, I want to take just a moment to pray over our teachers. But at the very same time, I want to pray over our students. There's students all around you too. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's kids you know. Maybe they're not here and you want to pray over them wherever they are. Can we do that together right now? As this divine appointment will God, that God will bless these students. Pray with me. And if you want to stand, if you want to extend hands however you want to, however you feel comfortable, pray with me. Almighty God, you have designed this place and this time for this moment. This divine appointment of a year. I'm praying for these educators. Everybody that's involved in school, from admin to janitors, everywhere in between, that your peace will go before them, but beside them and all around them. When the days are long and the frustration is great, they will remember it's a divine appointment. Father, for these students, for our teenagers, for our kids down in Kid Zone, I am praying your strength and your peace and your presence is with them that they will be so alive for you that you will, you'll just be coming out of their pores, that your presence will go with them. And when they don't feel like being there, they will be reminded they are divinely appointed for this time. May we see people as composites, not snapshots. And may we see this year as a very special year for your glory. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.